Alrighty, everyone, welcome to After Credits. I'm your host, Craig Allison, and this is something completely new to Breeze TV, where myself as the host will bring on a variety of guests to talk about a number of pop culture relevant entertainment art stories. In honor of WandaVision finishing up this past week, we're gonna be breaking down the ninth episode and the whole series and the MCU coming up into the future. But we'll be starting off this segment with our spoiler-free portion, then move in to our deep cut theories and everything else. So, kicking things off, I'll introduce my guest. We have with me Nicole Garvey, who is a producer and reporter here on Breeze TV, and our director of social media, Zia Fakiri. So, we're gonna kick things off for our spoiler-free section with just quick sentiments about the whole series in general, and then we'll rank our episodes from favorite to least favorite. So starting things off, we'll start with uh, Zia. My feelings in general about this uh, season of WandaVision um, is I actually really liked it. I didn't have high hopes for it at first. I'm not gonna lie. You know, I didn't watch the first two episodes when they came out, but when I did watch them, I was surprisingly engaged and I was like really curious about the story. And I'm gonna be real. I didn't really care about Wanda or Vision before this series. And I am like, I am blown away that this like whole season has made me like care about these characters. Like I actually care about their relationships and like their struggles and what they're going through. And I like just really appreciate that form of storytelling that Disney Plus and Marvel has brought. Alrighty, so what would you say is your rankings after that sentiment? This is pretty controversial, but my number one ranking is episode nine. And I know that's kind of surprising, but I don't know. Um, second would be We Interrupt This Program. Uh, third one would be Now in Color. Fourth one would be Don't Touch the Dial. Uh, number five, Film Before a Live Studio Audience. Um, six would be uh, All New Halloween Spooktacular. And then um, seven would be on a very special episode. I see your face right now, and I know you're judging me. Um, just, it's an interesting <laughs> sort of ranking, yeah. Okay, and then let me finish. <laughs> number eight would be Breaking the Fourth Wall, and number nine would be pre Previously On. Interesting. <laughs> All righty. So, Nicole, what would you have to say about the whole series and then your I, ranking? So, I'm a big Marvel fan. I've been a Marvel fan since I was a kid. And primarily, I've been an X-Men fan. That was what I grew up on. I watched all the cartoons. I was deep into it. So with this series, with them bringing in X-Men references and everything, I was hooked right from the start. And also, the fact that they got more deep into the characters. Like, the Marvel movies have a habit of just kind of going, action, explosion, action, explosion. But this one got deep, and we got into the characters' feelings. And so I felt that was a really great change of pace for Marvel, especially with this being how we start the fourth phase. I thought that was just a wonderful way to kick it off to show that this is a different Marvel than before. Alrighty. Um, so yeah, what's your ranking? Excuse um, this. I'll try not to make this big judgmental faces. You do, I'll understand. Okay. <laughs> so, unlike Zia. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, the ninth episode. It's already heated, folks. Did not hit for me like I think it did for Zia. Because, I don't know, we just kind of got back into like the Marvel-esque vibe on accident, I feel. Like it just kind of... Yeah. So then what would you say it is from like Top favorite to, to least favorite? Okay, so my favorite I feel like is an all new Halloween Spooktacular. I felt like it was a good mix of the two. And then um, Phil Before a Live Studio Audience. 
uh, we interrupt this program, breaking the fourth wall, previously on, don't touch that dial, and then all the other ones, kind of like below that. All the other ones trickle in afterwards? Yeah, that's just kind of... <laughs> Alrighty, well, I'm gonna like be straightforward with y'all. I saw the trailer for this show and I thought it was gonna be very underwhelming. I honestly thought this was gonna be Marvel's um, alternate realities show because I was very vague on like all the new approaches. But I know as like a completionist because I wanted to see all of the MCU films going into Infinity War when I saw that in theaters. Same thing for Endgame. So I was already caught up with everything. So I just figure this is just adding on to that completionist. And, you know, just like Zia, I didn't start till later in the season when everyone was blowing up on social media about episode five, binged all the episodes at once, became hooked. So I thought that it was a great season as a whole with a lot of potential. Um, I do also think they kind of fell short as like a polite way to put that final episode we just witnessed. But um, I'm just going to get into my rankings here. So I think that my favorite episode was Don't Touch That Dial, episode two. Then I'm going to go for episode five on a very special episode. Then the first episode, Film Before Live Studio Audience. Then All New Halloween Spooktacular. Then I'm going to say we interrupt this program to previously on then Now in Color, mm. then we go to Breaking the Fourth Wall, and then Episode 9, the series finale. So that's from favorite to least favorite. Mm. And I think, mm. yeah, we've, we've got a lot to talk about, and that's our spoiler-free section. So that's your warning to all you comic book nerds that have your lives together and your sleep schedules in order. So now we're going to get on to those that stayed up till 3 in the morning to watch this, or even just before this show. So now for our spoiler intensive section, we're going to dive right into episode nine, get down to the nitty gritty and just talk about this whole season and what it came into. So I'm just going to start off and say, I thought episode nine okay. had a lot of things going on. There was a lot of just like in terms of action and plot development, like just so many things were hitting the fan all at once and kind of like, Game of Thrones season seven, the timing and pacing of all the events that happened in episode nine kind of just came all at once. We have this vision plot line. We had Agatha come to this crazy battle with Wanda. And just, I, I felt like I was getting lost in the sauce, really, in terms of everything that was going on. What do you have to say, Zia? See, I would respectfully, I put respectfully in there, right? disagree <laughs> with you because Here's the great thing. If this was a movie and they did have all those components, which Marvel sometimes does, then I would agree with you. But if you have been following along with the TV series and like have been like looking at all the details, episode nine, I feel like was a great ending because you have this like mystery of like why Hayward had Vision's body and why he was experimenting with it. And then Vision's body comes back. You have Agatha coming in and then like kind of like resolving Wanda's like inner conflict with herself. And then you have like Wanda herself like kind of like getting over her trauma and like kind of um, letting go of like this false reality she's created and like finding her new self in Scarlet Witch. 
And I, that's what I really love about this series. It's like, for me, it's like getting over emotional trauma that has happened to you. And we, we all know Wanda has like some of the worst emotional trauma with her dead brother, her dead parents, right. like being snapped away, having her husband killed in front of her multiple times, yeah. like three times now. I think something like something <laughs> Like two times in like five minutes. So yeah, I thought the ending to like WandaVision was perfect, especially the after credit scene. And like I also- Both after credit scenes. Both after credit scenes. <laughs> I love that for me personally, I did not like the Captain Marvel movie, but this series made Captain Marvel relevant. Mm. It made me appreciate the movie more. And that is what I love. And although fans do have, did have all these like fantastical theories about mm. Mephisto, Doctor Strange, Loki coming in in the series finale, I do feel like this ending will come into play later and we will come to appreciate it in the future. Okay, what do you gotta say about that, Nicole? I know you have some difference of opinion okay, there. Okay, okay, okay. Especially with you being our X-Men expert. Here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm still not over fake Pietro. Oh that, was, yeah. that was a hit. That was a hit I didn't need to take. I will agree with you on that. Like, watch. are you like bringing him in? putting him there, giving him the same personality and the same style of acting. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is this the moment? Is this the moment where we're finally gonna see the universes collide? And at the very end, I'm like, oh, you live here? Agatha's got you under like a mind thing? Oh, cool, we're gonna move on now. Mr. Boner. Like, Mr. Boner, like <laughs> that was, I didn't need that. I didn't need that in my soul. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was a personal offense. Because also I just love Evan Peters, so bias on multiple levels. Um, but the last episode, I'm kind of in between you two. I feel like it hit in some retrospects and then it didn't in others. There were moments where I was watching and I was like, this is a little cheesy for me, you know? Right. Like there were moments where they like looked at each other and they're like, you were born for this. And I was like, ooh, I don't <laughs> like that. Cause, uh, Cause she, it, well, Wanda is literally one of the strongest characters in any universe Marvel canon. Mm -hmm. Like she kills people off, she does her whole thing, you know, and then she's got this soft moment, which I'm totally there for. I mm -hmm. love seeing Wanda having like her peace of mind and like having her moment where you really get to know her as a person. Mm -hmm. But with this ending, it kind of fell flat. Like it felt like they shoved her right back into where she was beforehand. As like a X-Men purist, like someone who knows <laughs> not only the genre through the <laughs> Fox cinematic universe mm -hmm. and the comic universe, uh, what are your sentiments towards the white vision like really appearing? Because I know that is a comic book timeline and that comes into play mm. with Wanda. And yeah, what are, you, what are you thinking here? So white vision. White vision does give me hope because I'm, my biggest fear with this Marvel universe is that they have been going on for so long. My biggest fear is they're gonna keep doing what they've always done and end up having like the entire thing repeat itself again and we're just gonna get tired of it. White Vision comes from a darker part of Marvel. White Vision is Wanda's like crux. Because what happens is in the comics, he is like um, completely wiped of his memories of Wanda due to a fight with a villain. Not the villain in this one, but anyways, it still works. So the point is, is that Wanda has to continually meet this White Vision throughout the comics. And he gets his memories back, but he doesn't get his feelings for her back. And we kind of saw that happening in the ninth episode at the very end where like the vision that Wanda created touches him and he gets all of his memories back, but he kind of just flies off into the air. I mean, I don't know about you, but if my love was like in a major 
battle, I feel like I would go and help. So the fact that he like ran off to the side and was like, I'm gonna have an identity crisis by himself, <laughs> doesn't really bode well for their relationship. Speaking on like that identity crisis and like cheesiness, I think the moment that had me almost like kind of laughing in that episode was when the two visions confronted each other. They get into <laughs> not only a dialogue, but it starts with white vision going, I require you to elaborate on this. And okay. I was like, wait a minute. But like, the ship of Theseus had me thinking this morning. Like, yes. I, thought I watched this episode at 3 a.m. And it had me thinking this morning. It had me in an existential crisis this morning. And like, at my job, I was like, sitting in my chair, I was like, wow, okay. And I mean, I think it got there. Like, it hit me a little bit. I'm not sure if it's because I was sleep deprived or whatever. I was like, this makes sense for what's going on. You have these two meetings of minds that are both incredibly intelligent and operating on a completely different waveform of each other, and they're trying to figure out which one of them is the real them, which is kind of insanity in itself. So it made sense for them to kind of get into that diabolical, but like watching it as a third party was a little, <laughs> mm. so I don't know about that. <laughs> moving on uh, from the episode and its implications, reaching out past the series, like we know that uh, moving forward, and this is just off of IMDb cast lists, fan theories and just what's confirmed for the titles we know that the third installation of spider-man tom holland's spider-man anyways no way home is coming out this christmas we also have doctor strange multiverse of madness coming out i believe in march of 2022 so i want to talk about what this show implicates for the future and hopefully what it means for maybe bringing in the x-men universe i know starting off my feelings on it i know that ryan reynolds is confirmed for Doctor Strange 2. This is merely off of IMDb cast list. This is off of just well-known sort of documented stuff. And I know that Tobey Maguire's confirmed for both Spider-Man 3 and Doctor Strange 2. Mm -hmm. And I was personally thinking, and I actually made a little bit of a wager with um, our reporter Jordan <laughs> Simmel on who would appear at the end of episode nine of WandaVision. He thought Doctor Strange would come in. I thought Spider-Man, we were both wrong, but you know. <laughs> It's just the way it goes with predicting. But yeah, so like with these confirmed people for the cast at least, I feel like that has some hope and implications for X-Men coming in. What are your thoughts, Nicole? Here we go. Are you ready? <laughs> You've got your hopes up, right? Yeah. You're thinking they're gonna bring back these old Spider-Men and it's gonna be so cool and it's gonna be like a family reunion. I've gone through that. Evan Peters already put me through that, <laughs> all right? I don't want you getting your hopes up and then having them thrown on the floor and stomped upon by Marvel, okay? <laughs> you need to keep them low, because I had hopes for this series. Like, I, don't get me wrong, I love WandaVision, but there are so many opportunities to like make Marvel itself different that they didn't take, and that's irritating to me. So I want you to keep, you know, I'm hoping. <laughs> I want multiverse to like, I know it's like canon that multiverse exists mm -hmm. within the MCU. I want them to take that and run with it and like connect everything together that they've ever done because that would be like the, like the icing on top of the cake. But just, I'm gonna warn you, <laughs> it hurts. We're, we're still healing, but what do you think, Zia? Um, I, like Nicole said, I'm like, I'm keeping my hopes low. <laughs> like, cause that whole Evan Peters, like Peter, like Maximoff coming in and it's like, oh my God, it's the multiverse. She opened the multiverse or Agatha opened the multiverse. Um, I'm keeping my hopes low because after that whole Mr. Boner thing, <laughs> like, yeah. what's that the worst part? <laughs> it was like so, un like I was like so disappointed when Monica 
actually like found that out. I was like, oh man, he's just a normal Joe. <laughs> it's, it's, mm, mm. But I do have a theory on that, that Agatha did um, create Ralph from, she looked into the multiverse, saw Peter Maximoff mm. from the X-Men universe and like kind of like envisioned Ralph because he looks like like Peter from, or like um, Pietro in the MCU from the X-Men universe. And he, she kind of like based him off of Quicksilver from the X-Men universe. So I kind of have that theory going on. <laughs> I see Nicole is disagreeing with no, me. No, no, I, I need you to understand. I would want nothing more than that to be true. Okay, <laughs> okay. but this is just my own little theory. You don't need to agree with oh! it. <laughs> I agree though, I want it to happen. I want it to happen. I just, I'm scarred. I know, it's, Marvel is like just a whole bunch of ups and downs and so like, Going off of that, this, I mean, this was the MCU's first, like, real television series. I mean, we've had The Defenders, we've had Charlie Cox's uh, Daredevils, which I think is, like, the best Marvel TV series of all time. But, like, that's a different debate for a different time. But, essentially, we now have two more shows lined up for Disney+, Plus, for Marvel to go on, on and, like, release. One of them, most re the nearest one to come up is Falcon the Winter Soldier that's coming out this month on the 19th, March 19th. And then we have Loki, which comes out June 11th. Do we have like any feelings or implications coming off of this series, what it means for what Marvel's gonna do for those series? And do you think they're gonna connect in any way? What are you thinking, Zia? See, I think Marvel's gonna find a way to connect them. I just don't have high hopes for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm gonna say it right now, not a huge Captain America fan. I will disagree like, with that. I'm not a huge, and that means I'm not a huge Falcon or Winter Soldier fan. So I do not have like high hopes. And even if I was a fan, based off the trailers that they've shown, it's very generic. I'll agree with that. The bad guy is like, oh, there's superheroes, and there can't be like superheroes. That's the problem. Superheroes are the problem, and like it's very generic. And I'm, I'm just not into it. You know? Okay. What are you thinking, Nicole? I'm holding out. I'm holding out because WandaVision surprised me. It came out of left field and was like, hey, here's something that's really, really amazing. So I have hopes and I'm going to hold on to my hopes. This time, hopefully they won't be dashed. Um, I mean, personally, I love the Captain America series. I love First Avenger. I think Winter Soldier is a top five MCU movie. And I... Like, Civil War is definitely, in my opinion, one of the better Avengers-esque movies, because I wasn't, I mean, Ultron is now like super important in terms of the implications with WandaVision, but Civil War is, I think, a little bit more elevated past that, but yeah, I love Captain America and his series, but I do agree that like, trailer-wise, Falcon and the Winter Soldier just looks like, these are just, you know, bunch of militaristic guys just kind of going out and doing that sort of thing and it's not that that isn't interesting but we already see so much of that in the entertainment industry and it's like what is Marvel going to do to make this different mm -hmm. I will say I'm slightly more excited for the Loki series coming up what that means for the multiverse in terms of like those alternative timelines that are discussed in Endgame I mean we all know Loki disappeared with the Tesseract that alternative universe and so going off of that, it's only 
so much more room to do so many things that we're probably not even going to expect, just like WandaVision. I mean, I was shocked to say least. I didn't think WandaVision looked appealing at all based off its trailer. So I, I would say that I have high hopes, um, but um, I think we've kind of hit the nail on so many things MCU. So I guess we'll just go around and get some final thoughts on just like our feelings about the MCU as a whole and like moving forward past this um, just uh, cultural, culturally relevant series that's been just taking up all of social media, all of our minds and just wrap that up. So Nicole, you wanna go first? So obviously end of phase three was dramatic and it obviously is gonna be a turning point for Marvel. And this is the first time I've seen like Marvel hype like I did back when like the first Avengers movies were coming out, you know, where there was people like waiting, staying up, waiting until the last second to be able to watch it together. And it's like a, like, a cultural thing. So I think this is a good launching point. I am hopeful for the rest of Marvel. I hope they continue to push their boundaries. I hope they continue to try to stay away from the stereotypical superhero movies and move more into this creative field. I think that's where they need to go as a whole because that's gonna get people. Alrighty, see ya. I gotta say, they hit phase four, hit it off with a bang. It started off very well. And even though it, WandaVision didn't end as most people would have wanted it to, mm -hmm. I have very high hopes for phase four. I'm very excited, especially for the Loki series. Now. I'm not that big of a Loki fan, but after watching WandaVision and after watching the trailers and like not really getting much from the trailers, but also kind of like getting the sense that he's gonna be the one to open the multiverse, I am very excited for phase four. Alrighty, I don't think I could put it any better than that. And I'm gonna say that concludes our very first episode of After Credits. We'll be talking about many more topics that become culturally relevant as the weeks go on, but we thought we should kick things off with this very special lineup of WandaVision concluding, and we're very hopeful and excited for the future, so thanks for sticking around. <laughs>